Hey, welcome to Locked On Lakers for Wednesday. Andy Kamenetsky here, and there are no two teams in the NBA talked about more or more connected to each other at this moment than the Lakers and the Nets. Where do things stand with Kyrie, KD, LeBron, trades, etc.? We're going to get into all of that with Adam Arbrecht from Locked On Lakers coming up next. You are Locked On Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Lakers your first listen of the day, Monday through Friday. Always new Lakers content, always free, never behind a paywall. Subscribe also to the Locked On Lakers YouTube channel where you can get podcasts early, breaking news, fun memes, a really fun active comment section that often becomes part of the show itself. And Laker fans should definitely be listening to Locked on Nets because the situation in Brooklyn is very much tied to the Lakers. And to break down where this mess stands at the moment, Adam Armbrecht from Locked on Lakers joining me. How are you, man? Fantastic. It's an offseason filled with storylines and narratives and a total lack of guaranteed success for either one of our franchises. This offseason you speak of. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the hell that is. <laughs> you know what? We always say, uh, you know, NFL dominates the sports landscape, but the NBA has figured it out. They have figured out how to successfully go through an offseason and have you not turn your attention away from the NBA. Also, obviously, we're talking about some of the higher profile names, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, like that obviously, Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving, that moves the needle. Now, by the end of this, we can look back and have a very clear picture around what happened. But the when you're in the moment, I, you're kind of like fog of war syndrome. I don't oh. know which way is up. I'm not sure if I make it out of this thing alive. I just hope that somewhere there is a, a boat trying to airlift me out of here. Yeah. <laughs> like none of this for me will ever compare to the summer where Kobe asked out. Like that, that was... Literally, like I, you, you mentioned, like fog of war. Like I felt like I was in the middle of apocalypse now, or something <laughs> like that. I remember there was like a twenty-four, thirty-six hour period where my then girlfriend, now wife, I remember she left to, to like go to work and go somewhere afterwards. I think with some friends or something like that. And I was still working on you know Kobe rumors, writing up stuff, making calls, whatever. She came back like thirty-six hours later, and she's like, "Have you moved?" Like, have you gotten up out of this chair? I'm like, no. I'm like, every time I start to get up, Kobe does something new and I got to react to it. Like, slow fan beats just spl- spinning over your head. Yeah. I, I seriously. On the bed. Hey, good for her for sticking out through the hard times. She came out the other side of it. You guys well, are still together. I mean, you know, kudos, hat off. Hat I know, off I, you know, she felt guilty about leaving a POW. Sure, like, sure, like, sure, you sure. Know, I mean, it, like it seeing those dog commercials around help to help the homeless animals. Yeah. Listen, yes, this guy needs yes. a shelter. He needs a safe place. This guy needs I, just a I, safe I, space to be in. <laughs> I was the dog and she was Sarah McLaughlin in in this particular situation. So, all right. And getting into this whole Lakers Brooklyn drama, I want to start with Kevin Durant before we get to Kyrie, because I feel like KD Adam is more of the Mac, the macro for this and that Kyrie is really the micro. Where do you, where do you think things stand right now between Durant and the organization? Because it does really feel like until there's resolution there, Durant, they're not going to make a, like a move for Durant. And until they make a move with Durant, 
Kyrie is staying there. So where do you think it is right now between KD and Brooklyn? Yeah, it doesn't really matter that you heard you know, Kyrie Irving never wanted to be traded or never requested where he wants to be in Brooklyn. It, it doesn't matter because if Kevin Durant is gone, it's all kind of irrelevant. You know, the, the, the path forward will be interesting and the Nets may be competitive, but everything starts to your point with, with Kevin Durant. And even if he wasn't the best player on the team and one of the best players in the league, it would also start with him because he's under contract for four years, right? So it, it's it's fascinating to think about that Kevin Durant formally requests this trade. And then we see how the landscape of that market has unfolded. I, I still stand on the idea that Rudy Gobert need not be a benchmark. The conversations around Donovan Mitchell and what the Knicks might have to give up to get him. That is not a comparative. I know that it is like, I know that that's what he wants to look at it, but it's really about what does the Nets franchise get in return. What do they look like after? It's never you're never going to get value for Kevin Durant, but you have to accept that if that's inevitable, how do you reshape your team after? I I think the big reason why we're seeing a pause and why maybe this idea that Kevin Durant could stay in Brooklyn is because at a minimum the market is not as wide open as maybe Kevin Durant rightfully so thought it would be. I want to go to Phoenix. I want to go to Miami. Maybe there's other places I would go. Everyone's going to come to the table. Yes, but do they have the assets to come get you? And do they have the assets to come get you and still leave you on a competitive team? I think all these things do kind of pump the brakes a little bit here. for Kev- I think for Kevin Durant, I'll be curious if we start to get more information around when he looks out at the landscape, if it's about winning, he may come back to neutral and say, at least in the short term, the Nets may be my best option. Yeah, and I'm really glad, Adam, that you brought the idea that you can't directly compare this to like the Timberwolves Jazz trade for Rudy Gobert because what he means to Minnesota, and you know, if you think they overpaid for Rudy Gobert, that's just a separate context entirely than what you have with Brooklyn and Kevin Durant, who's under contract for four more years, which undercuts, and we'll get into this, some of I think the leverage that Kevin Durant could hold over them, like, do you think there is actually a price for Durant that could be met? Because you, you keep hearing that the asking price is really, really high, but I also understand why it would be that high given everything Brooklyn did to get him in that building in a lot of ways catered to him to make him happy. Yeah, so there's two parts to it. And you mentioned when you talk about the Timberwolves, any any team in any of these big-name trades, how desperate is the team that's looking to get there, right? So the Timberwolves, I think they saw, hey, we scratched the surface of playoff basketball, and we know that we have Anthony Edwards, and that can mean something. We still have Cat. So we need to swing big here and see if we can maximize an opportunity, especially when you look at the West and you go, hey, there's some some open paths here. Like We could be one of those teams that gets talked about. So a desperate team will sacrifice more. Um, and swing it, big for Minnesota. Yeah, you know, what is the goal? And, you know, fans don't want to hear this, but trading for Rudy Gobert doesn't mean that the Minnesota Timberwolves, in their heart of hearts, think they're going to win a championship. What it does mean is we're going to go to the playoffs. And we're going to go to the playoffs every year for the next four or five years, whatever it is, and we're going to make money. And we're going to be competitive, right? Like that matters. There's yes. a business side of this that matters to smaller market franchises. Yeah. And a swing like this says we're about to increase our our you know our profit margins x fold, and 
we're also going to give the fan base some satisfaction. We're going to give Cat some satisfaction. We're going to give a young star like Anthony Edwards some real reason to want to stay here and be a part of this and maybe not say, I don't know if I can win here long term and I may want to go somewhere else. So all of those factors play a role. When it comes to the Brooklyn Nets, the fascinating thing I think is you asked, can can a price point be met for Kevin Durant? If if not for the James Harden trade, where the Nets gave up so much of their draft capital, I think this actually would look a little bit different. Not that they would view Kevin Durant's value any differently, but you could say, hey, if you give me two quality players and three, four first round picks, right? Maybe some swaps involved. Oh, we can get into a conversation. But I, but I do think there is a short-term, long-term approach here that the Nets are taking of not only do we want to be competitive because we're not totally far away from being a small market team who hasn't had a lot of track record of success and you know blew this window of having Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and winning some playoff basketball games. So we have that. We want to be competitive. And we need to also restock this thing that we lost in trading for James Harden. And we also lost young talent in Jared Allen specifically. Only name you really need to pull out of that group. Um, so I, I wonder how much that weighs on the decision-making process. But again, let alone meeting the price means stripping another team. You know, we talked about a lot of the different examples. Uh, Scotty Barnes is the big one for, for Toronto, right? There's no way we couldn't possibly touch him. Now, I personally think that if you're Toronto, you're insane to not give up a kid who's young and incredibly talented, but has also never sniffed the jockstrap of what Kevin Durant has done in his NBA career, right? There's a difference between potential and actual accomplishment. And that is rarefied aired among teams and players that are all incredibly talented. We know that. But if I get OG and Trent Jr. and Ken Birch and then a slew of picks, is Siakam, Van Fleet, and Scotty Barnes with Kevin Durant, is that enough to win a championship? Does that put you yeah. in conference titles? I think it probably is. Yeah. Now, if you keep OG, but you give up Scotty Barnes, is OG and Trent? And that, I think it still is, right? And that's where I think there's this discrepancy around what the Nets are asking for, what fan bases feel like their team should not give up for Kevin Durant, and the box that you check if you make the trade. If you check the box, conference finals, feeling pretty good we can win and go to an NBA finals, I think those teams are going to eventually come to the table and start to accept what could feel like a steeper asking price. All right, coming up, there's one more really central question involving Kevin Durant before we move on to Kyrie that – I haven't really heard answered definitively yet, and I'm not even sure there is a definitive answer, but want to get your take on this, Adam, and we will talk about that coming up next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net, your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including baseball, boxing, MMA, NFL futures, and a whole lot more. It is never too early to start betting on the 2023 NBA champions. And there has been some movement with the odds makers, the new clubhouse leader, the 2021 champions, the Milwaukee Bucks. They are the six to one favorites. Boston has fallen just behind them at six and a quarter to one. Golden State, six and a half to one, followed by the Clippers, the Suns, and your Los Angeles Lakers now coming in at nine to one, jumping up a bit. From 10 to 1, not that long ago, maybe Vegas thinks they know something about Kyrie Irving or Buddy Heald or Miles Turner or just Russ, LeBron, AD actually figuring it out, whatever. But either way, Lakers starting to climb up a bit. 
Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. So head to the website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the games start. And Locked on Lakers also brought to you by Dewar, the new sponsor of the Locked on Lakers podcast, just this show. And we are stoked to be in business with the purveyor of the world's most comfortable pants. Dewar is clothing created with the belief that comfort, style, and function all exist to complement each other in design. And a single pair of Dewar pants can take you from the bike lane to the boardroom to dinner with friends. That is the versatility you get with Dewar. There's no more need to lug around different outfits, changing clothes in a bathroom stall like a dork. And this is what's also great. 95% natural fibers are being used to create Dewar. So unlike most conventional performance clothing, which uses primarily oil-based synthetics, your clothing, your clothes with Dewar are actually good for the planet, and the earth needs all the help it can get. So drop by the store in LA, 170 South La Brea Avenue. It's in mid-city. You can see the stuff up close, feel it, just see how comfortable it is. Or if you're not in LA, order online at shopdoer.com. Either way, use the exclusive code for our listeners, the Locked On Lakers community, to get 15% off at Locked On 15. Again, Locked On 15, 15% off, shopdoer.com, D-U-E-R, Doer, the world's most comfortable pants. Can I, can I, can I, can I pop in here for a second if I could? Sure. If I could. Um, I'm just, I am just curious because we're talking about Kevin Durant. The biggest name for the, for the Lakers is obviously LeBron James. If we're talking about just in this spectrum of things, I know that it's, the, the stars aren't being talked about the same way for the Lakers as they are on the net side. There'd be total movement and rebuild here. Is the organization, are the Lakers and LeBron, are they all together now? Like, you know, is it all together now as the song lyrics go or, are they are they closer to the Brooklyn Nets situation of hey, we could be, you know, nearing some really big decisions around everybody as opposed to just this idea of I know we'll get to him Russell Westbrook and how do we move this money and how do we improve this team and, and get back to winning championships because that feels a little bit like it's we all know it's under the surface but maybe not being talked about as um, uncomfortably as, as Lakers fans may want to. Yeah, it feels like there's a lot of tension right now inside the Lakers, and it's it has felt that way off and on, frankly, since LeBron's arrival. Like there's been this push pull between LeBron slash Rich Paul slash at you know Anthony Davis slash Clutch at large, yep. um, because you start looking at the Clutch clients in the building with Taylor Horton Tucker and Kendrick Nunn and Lonnie Walker the fourth and. You know, down to J.R. Smith during the championship years. There's always this presence of clutch and this appearance that I don't think is totally unwarranted of clutch having an outsized control over the organization, which, you know, to be fair, is not necessarily unique to the Lakers. You can look around at other teams and feel like there is an agent presence with certain of them that really pull some strings. But the idea that everybody is completely in alignment does not always seem to be the case. There can be competing agendas. And with the Lakers specifically, you've always got that looming question of LeBron and that extension and whether or not he's going to end up signing it. And look, frankly, you can have an entirely different discussion about whether or not it's actually in the Lakers' best interest to try to commit with LeBron as for as long as they possibly can 
in terms of the team's overall health and you know whether it's actually the best decision. But for the time being, it does seem to be what the Lakers want. So there does create that push-pull there. The question I wanted to ask you with Durant that I haven't really seen as completely articulated, and maybe there isn't a known answer to this, but why do you think he wants out in the first place? Um, I, I think it's maybe the same question as why is the organization willing to not just say, we're not trading, you're under a contract, we're not even going to entertain it. There's a fatigue factor, I think, right? You you come into an opportunity, and Doug and I have talked about this on the podcast. Actually, just in yesterday's episode, do we think that that Kevin Durant looks at the circumstance and and can be self-reflective, right? We always talk about players don't typically critique one another. It's usually, well, the organization, and then it's us, the players, us, the talent, whether or not things work out. And Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving could go their separate ways and never have any animosity towards one another. And I think that that maybe that's what, what plays the role here of I came into a circumstance, whatever I maybe look at, at Kyrie Irving and say what his role was, I see that we tried with James Harden and that didn't work out. And Kevin Durant's a smart guy. I see that we don't have draft capital. So there's not going to be a lot of youth coming in the door here. We don't have a lot of cap space. Um, is Ben Simmons a guy that I felt comfortable with getting back in that Harden trade that I'm excited and interested in playing with? All those things can lead Kevin Durant to saying, I made a big move from OKC to go join the team that had beaten me. And then I won championships, but I wanted to go do it on my own. Now in trying to quote, do it on my own, I realized that there's a lot of things that come along with that. There's a lot of responsibility that comes along with that. And whether or not um, that ends up working out can influence how you want to look at the last four or five years, right? Um, <laughs> a lot of as uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you may see some buyer's remorse, right? I bought into this thing. <laughs> I'll go with the, the Joe, Joe Bluth. Uh, <laughs> I bought into this thing. And now I don't know if I should have, right? The grass is not always greener or it's not always worth the extra lift. And I get it. Like I, I can understand that. Now, do I find it surprising that he signed the extension and then immediately turned around? Yes. Because that to me is losing the forest for the trees. If you couldn't see that things were looking a little tumultuous, and we're going to be a little rocky here. You didn't have to sign the extension and we'd be having a different conversation around you. Um, instead, you just start to look at the landscape and think, where else can I go? Who else can I team up with? And I can maybe see the writing on the wall. It, maybe it's not going to go sour this year, but it's not. It, it will at some point over the next four years of my contract. And I'd rather get somewhere else now before the bad times start to roll. Well, you you did say, though, the four years of his contract, he did have to sign the extension if he wanted to get the four years of the money. Yeah. And the, yeah, there's a, there's a clip. Yeah. And you know what? We, people don't mention that in the same way. It's the same way we talk about with Kyrie Irving and his negotiations this offseason. You want the max money. The team that has you can give you the max money and then a different decision can get made. Um, And, and, I, and I will just say from a macro level. I continue to tinfoil hat myself on this around when things went bad with James Harden and they knew they were going to have to trade him. If all parties involved organizationally and the players said, okay, this did not work out. And we're all starting to think about what it looks like to move forward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I hate, you, you know what too? I hate, I, and I hate these conversations. I have them with, a, I don't hate the conversation with you. Um, 
but I had these conversations and everyone's going to say, I'm right here. Jesus. I mean, at least wait until your brother's dug about how bad it's going, but I'm right here. Um, but no, but it, because everyone wants you to have this, this aggressive, you know, the, the, the term hot take around it. I think that all these things are nuanced. Like I, if you think about yourself in a day-to-day decision around some, the choice you're trying to make professionally, personally, you go through iterations of it. Like you try to beat it from every different direction so that you can make what feels like the smart choice. And it's not unreasonable to do that from, from both player and then also from the organizational side. Okay. Shifting to the Kyrie piece of all this and how it directly affects the Lakers. Do you buy the galaxy brain take that's going out there that Durant really asked for this trade as a separation from Kyrie that like that, you know, and and Galaxy Brain might be too strong a take on it because you know they're. I guess that it is possible that KD has just decided. You know what? I hitched my wagon to the wrong guy. But I want to hear what you have to say about it, and then I can explain why I think it's a little too Galaxy Brain, depending on what you say. Yeah, I, at the high level, I think if Kevin Durant didn't want to play with Kyrie, he could just go to the organization and say. I don't want to play with Kyrie anymore. You have me yeah. under contract. You need to move him, right? Um, now there's there's the PR piece about whether or not <laughs> Cage. Um, there's 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 the PR piece about not wanting to have that be a part of the image. I'll backtrack it to the negotiations with Kyrie Irving the offseason. While we understand players support players, but I'll tinfoil hat. Did Kevin Durant look and say? Well, they offer you two years at max dollars and years three and four will kick in at max dollars. If you play X number of games, we're going to be here for four years together. Aren't we going to play max games and you'll make max dollars and we'll win basketball games like that? I don't know. You like, you you know, the other side of that coin was saying, why wouldn't you just give him the max? I want to be here with him. I understand if Kevin Durant doesn't want to play with Kyrie Irving anymore, not from nothing to even do with a personal thing. I can just understand looking at the basketball side of it and knowing now in this new iteration of the team, this might not be the right combination. And by the way, why, why you hear the rumors of Kyrie and LeBron James talking two guys that maybe aren't as tight personally as they are, as they are, as they envision themselves professionally, where we have had success together. Right. And the only other little caveat you can add in there is that uh, because from it's been reported that from the net side, they told Kyrie he could go seek a sign and trade. That would also breadcrumb trail connect to the idea of, well, Kyrie didn't say he wants to leave. The Nets were like, why don't you go see? Maybe somebody wants to come get you and we'd be happy to move on from you. And then, as we said, all off season, try to present a version of this team because Kevin's under contract. Hey, comes to the trade deadline in season. We'll deal with that when we get there, but we can try to put a team around you and say, give it a shot. And if you, maybe it's enticing enough for you to want to stick around here. All right, let's get more into the Kyrie of it all because that is the most direct part of this with the Lakers and for a lot of Laker fans has been the the half is going on, man. Get this guy on this team now. Do it, Palenka. Let's, let's wrap this thing up. Let's talk about why it has not been wrapped up and we'll get to that next. All right, so Adam, you you had said you had mentioned at the near the top of the show that New York Post report from I believe Brian Lewis, where sources close to uh, close to Kyrie had told Lewis that Kyrie doesn't even want to be traded to begin with. He opted in to be a net. Not sure where the he wants out still narrative is coming from. Do you buy that Kyrie 
actually wants to be a net or is this just spinning, reclaiming control, recognizing the damage he's done to his own reputation? Yeah, he goes in on the player option. So he already buys into the idea. Hey, pausing the negotiations. I go out and have a great season. I'm guaranteed to get a big contract from Brooklyn or from somewhere else because my market value isn't that high. I, I can say it's a little bit of spin in the idea of you go to market, nobody's coming for you. At the very least, they didn't come knocking when you were allowed to go look for it. And the Lakers, as I know we're going to get to, are trying to get Brooklyn to help them take care of their own problem, which really makes it hard, especially if the Nets are still trying to look at an angle where Kevin Durant remains on this team. Uh, okay. Before we get to that specific question, because I know I want to ask about that, is the relationship, do you think, between Brooklyn and Kyrie bad enough that they can't bring him back, won't bring him back? Basically the same question the Lakers are faced with uh, you know, on, on their end with Russell Westbrook and that possibility of him being on the team next season. I don't, th I don't think so because we've even talked about the version of Kevin Durant does get traded. Can the Nets move forward with just Kyrie Irving? Kyrie Irving is, is if nothing else, a self-reflective individual. He's, he's come out publicly and said, handle the Cleveland thing wrong. You know, could have, could have done a better job there. Tried to mend fences. We also say, the bad part is that he's always making mistakes to be reflective about, right? So it's always a new, it's always a new mistake. I think that he can be coming back <laughs> a little bit, you know, hat in hand around, Hey, I could have done things better. We could have handled it differently. I think the Nets organization can say, maybe we could have pressured the city more, you know, a unique set of circumstances. Very few cities kept that in place around the mandate as long as New York did. Um, So another team in another city, this wasn't even an issue this past season. I think, it's not as strained as maybe it's perceived, but specifically when it came to the extension, again, the Nets were willing to commit max dollars for two years and just say, you play games, we're going to give you the full four. So I don't think it's that strained. I, I do I do wonder if ultimately this, again, public perspective versus what player and organization wants, where Kyrie, you want to say all the right things to present the best version of yourself, including selling yourself to the Lakers and saying, hey, Lakers, I know you have a strained relationship. And there's a lot of tension with LeBron but I might be the guy you want to come and bring in here to help it all work out, right? So I think there's a lot of PR work on all sides, and I, I know this is a terribly PC answer. I think that every version that's been speculated can be an outcome here this offseason. Um, but to, to your point about would the Nets make a move with Kyrie prior to having resolution around Kevin Durant? Uh, uh, yes, I do believe so. If the right opportunity had come up when he was offered the opportunity to seek a sign-in trade, they would have pulled the trigger on it. Now, that that slightly predates the Kevin Durant trade request, but this was reported going back to the start of the offseason that the Nets were willing to lose both if they needed to make a decision around one. And that, at the very least, does seem to be a, a true statement around the Nets organization this offseason. They understand what it is to, to be a part of a team that has superstar talent. They also understand they maybe sacrificed a little too much control over these last three seasons, and they just need to reset the hierarchy. So there's a little bit clear understanding. And if that means that you lose them, so be it. And I think that I actually think it can benefit the possibility of retaining Kevin Durant if you make a move uh, with Kyrie Irving. See, that's where I think the Lakers are in a really difficult situation because I know that Fans get really impatient, particularly with reports out there that the Lakers have been unwilling to include both of the picks that they have control over till like roughly 2050 or something like that um, in, in a potential deal or that they 
don't want to take on Joe Harris's money. They'd rather have Seth Curry because he's less expensive and he's expiring this year. I kind of feel like it doesn't really matter. Like you can debate whether or not that's a good deal for the Lakers or too much to give up for Kyrie, whatever. But I, I feel like from the Nets perspective, with the resol- you know, with the uncertainty with Durant, two first round picks that are so far down the road, you really don't know what they're going to be. They could be really mm-hmm. good. They could be, you know, low twenties, like not great. And losing Joe Harris, who is in his own right a flippable asset. I don't think that's enough of a return to risk losing Kevin Durant. Like you have to treat these as, as connected deals. And that's the best deal the Lakers could offer, save Rob Palenka engineering some extremely complicated deal. I feel like for the nets to trade Kyrie without having resolution for KD, it needs to be either so good that they know KD is going to have guys that he can play with. And that'll give them confidence about their competitiveness or so good that they're like, look, this is just too good a deal to pass up regardless of this situation and be irresponsible. I don't feel like the Lakers are actually in a position where they can create a deal like that. So in some respects, I don't think it actually matters what Palinka is offering. Yeah, no, I I 100% agree with you because again, now we say one trade does not construct another however if you're going to talk about donovan mitchell you know in six first round picks okay it's a big asking price but is kyrie irving's value currently diminished relative to his talent it sure is but are the brooklyn nets going to stand here and say yeah it's been a rough few years for kyrie so we'll take a, a first round pick you're out of your mind the guy is literally in his prime right now as an nba talent and from that perspective the, the lakers are one of the worst possible teams for lebron james to currently be beyond and be saying that he wants to have Kyrie on his roster, right? Because they don't have a lot of draft capital. They don't have a lot of young talent that's terribly attractive or you'd look at as, you know, developmental cornerstone pieces. And in terms of matching numbers, you could, oh, they, the, the idea that the Lakers don't want to take on Joe Harris's $18 million is insane. If he's healthy, he is one of, uh, listen, lead the playoffs, I, I know, on the sideline here for a second. I think he's fourth all time in contested three-point percentage. Like, it's been wildly diminished in terms of what he is. And I, and I know what he is not. He's not a defensive player, right? He can't do anything on ball. Okay, fine. He's one of the best three point shooters and on a roster with Anthony Davis and LeBron James and Kyrie Irving. He's the exact thing that you want. So I don't know why you'd be, you know, uh, splitting hairs around wanting Seth Curry over him, understanding the different skill sets. Um, but, but from a money standpoint, right, that's the big issue here too. The Lakers are in such a hard spot that, you know, you end up saying, Russell Westbrook needs to be a part of this thing. And this is where I think Palinka is going to have to go to task and say, how do I pull in additional teams? And how do I look at another team that has a high quality player that I can effectively get to Brooklyn to avoid having to keep putting Russell Westbrook on the table? So basically you, you led me to the last thing I wanted to ask. Is there any chance Brooklyn would actually accept Russell Westbrook on their roster? Can, can you picture a scenario where that happens? You know what the worst part about Russell Westbrook from a from a forty seven million dollars standpoint is is that even forty seven million dollars it's, it's it's every one of the forty seven million dollars. <laughs> but I'd had we we discussed this on an episode at one point where okay Kyrie Irving gets traded and so does Kevin Durant. Is it so bad to have a year of of uh, Russell Westbrook? The only reason why it is 
is he's not remotely good for anyone else on your roster. He's not going to be good for young guards in the backcourt and developing Cam Thomas. He's going to be going out there to try to prove that he is still a top NBA player, and it's actually going to come at the detriment to the rest of your team. That's the hardest part. It's not even the money. Like, the money is brutal. But if we're talking about matching up numbers, okay, fine, right? Um, I'd be fascinated to hear if, if you hear a rumor that Kevin Durant says, I remember playing with Russell and OKC and that could be interesting. You know, like that obviously creates a little level of intrigue, but boy, if you go, if you're Kyrie, if you're the Nets and you trade Kyrie over to the Lakers and you take back the Russell Westbrook contract, I think then, then, then it is signed, sealed and delivered. Kevin Durant is getting traded because that's not the version of the Brooklyn Nets that entices Kevin Durant to want to stick around and see what could happen. That is a death sentence for it. So depending on how you feel organizationally, you can choose to make that move and then you sacrifice this one year. Okay, like I, I can I can stomach that, but not if the if the premise is we can keep Kevin Durant and we're going to take back Russell Westbrook. That I do not see being possible at all. He is Adam Armbrecht. He is the co-host of Locked on Nets, uh, which you should be listening to as your second listen because if you want to know what's going on with the Lakers in a lot of ways, you need to know what's going on with the Nets, he is a friend of the show, and we appreciate every time he joins us. Again, Locked on Lakers on YouTube. Make sure you're subscribing. Also, shopdoer.com. Get your clothes from Doer. Use the co promo code LOCK15, LOCKED15. Get 15% off the great stuff from Doer. And Brian will be back from vacation on Thursday, and we will see everybody then.